This is episode 22 of the Think Data podcast in partnership with Dataworks. And it's my pleasure to welcome Hadika Narula to the show. Hadika is the Senior Director of Product Involve AI and was recently voted one of the United States top 100 directors in artificial intelligence. For those that don't know, Involve AI is a Series A software as a service platform within the customer intelligence space. And they've been experiencing rapid growth since the Series A towards the back end of 2021. Really pleased to uh, have you on the show today. And I do appreciate you taking time out to uh, to speak with us. Would you mind um, giving us a bit of a, an understanding as to kind of your background and what ultimately took you to Involve? Yeah, and Alex, thank you for the opportunity. Very excited to be here and to speak with you and to share whatever I can uh, about myself about uh, and about the space of AI as well. So a uh, quick background about myself. Uh, my name is Hardika. I'm from India, as you can guess from my accent. I was born and brought up in the capital city of New Delhi. I did my engineering in information technology. And the interesting thing was, you know, how, you know, universe kind of creates a way uh, for you. The very first job that I got right after graduation was actually as a product development associate, uh, which for an engineer is a very different career path uh, from the regular one. So uh, I got this opportunity. My boyfriend, now husband, found out about it. He referred me to it, and uh, I interviewed. The company was Byju's. Uh, at that point, they were a startup. Today, they are an $8 billion company. They create adaptive wow. test-taking uh, apps for uh, high school students in India. So think about the GMAT or the GRE, but catered towards high school students in India. So uh, I was, uh, you know, as we were starting out, they were a startup as well. So uh, we st started creating that test-taking app. So it was about, you know, understanding, you know, how many questions do you want to add? At what level do you want to downgrade or upgrade students? How do you create a learning experience out of it? And uh, I think that was also the point where I realized how important it was for someone in product to be as close to go-to-market teams as possible. So something that we would do was, you know, after school would end, we would literally be standing outside the schools and we would start interviewing and talking to students. And we would be like, okay. hey, you know, how are you preparing for your entrance exams? What are the challenges that you're facing? Um, and then, you know, after some conversation, would you like to be our beta testers? And they would say yes. And that is literally how we got our first cohort of students to test us, uh, sorry, to test our app. So that was how my journey in product started. Um, I would say that after that, I think it was, I think being in product becomes pretty addictive because you're thinking so holistically about everything, about, you know, why are you building something? Who are you building it for? What's your ICP? How do you release it? How do you design it? So on and so forth. So I worked at Baijus for a few months. Then I moved on to Accenture as a technology consultant. I worked with telecom clients on their go-to-market strategies and on reducing their ad spend. And after that, I decided to explore more and see what else is out there. So I uh, decided to pursue my MBA. I came to uh, the US, to the University of Illinois, and I literally took every class that was on the roster. The reason was that, again, I was just trying to understand what works for me, what does not, 
what else is out there so it, it was crazy i had like six extra credits by the end of it but it was amazing and towards the end of my second year at the university is when i found out about involve um again i found out about it through a relative who knew uh, who knew about the company so she introduced me to the co-founders and i think it wasn't even as much about the company as it was about the people that led me to join involve mm-hmm. it was just about you know when you talk to the co-founders and you understand how passionate they are about the problem that they are trying to solve and how inspiring it is every time that you speak with them that i knew like right off of the bat that yeah this is somebody that i want to be and that yeah. was when the company was in its pre seed round so you know it's not you know it was just just starting out but it was a great bet i feel that i took uh, or maybe i was at the right place at the right time i don't know but uh, amazing beautiful opportunity that i got Amazing. And I, for context, if you were listening, it's um, six, just over six years you joined. So at what point, yeah. as you mentioned, pre-seed, how many heads were there? Because we actually, a lot of people listen to this, are always quite fascinated by the reality of a startup. You know, actually, they, they, oh, for yeah. some reason, they think it's blue skies and rainbows and everything's just magical. But uh, how was it in practice when you joined? Uh, it's, it was very interesting. So, um, uh when i joined in addition to the uh, the co-founders i think i was the third or the fifth person to join the okay. company so i rem- i still remember my first day in the office and by the way the co-founders were very clear because they were i think when you start a company out you want to make sure that you get the right fit in terms mm. of people uh in terms of customers as well and we'll talk about that later but especially in terms of people you know you don't want to bad apple in your company you want to make sure that they are aligned with your mission with your goals that they are adaptable um and so the co-founders were very clear when they joined that you know you have about 2 months we will test you out and if we don't like you you better be looking for other jobs because for them it was extremely important that i got along with other people in the company with their engineers with their designer um and overall that i understood the entire culture of the company so i remember day one in the company uh they, this office was ra- was about two blocks from the beach from the santa monica pier so like you know all dressed up and very excited to go to this office i enter the ceo is standing outside uh his name is Gaurav so i speak with Gaurav you know we go and grab a coffee and then i re- go into the office so it's a co-working space and our office is right at the end the funny thing yeah. is number 1 it was right opposite to the bathroom and the bathrooms were so close like you could you <laughs> knew every time it was being used let's just say <laughs> that the second thing within that of within that space there were no windows So once you get in you have no idea about what time of the day it is obviously you know you have your watch but otherwise really? you don't know whether it's sunny outside you don't know if it's raining you don't know if it's night you have absolutely no idea but the again the interesting thing was that times would fly by so quickly that you wouldn't even remember about those things you know you would mm. go in you'd start working um and I think the best part was the camaraderie within the team members. I think everyone was dedicated, but they were really fun as well. 
So you actually wanted to hang out with them, you know, and in the very beginning, everyone becomes your friend, right? So, yeah. and that founding team is the one that stays with you till the end. So I think where we got really lucky was we found the exact right set of people who are still there, you know, till the end, or even after six mm. years. Um, and uh, it is definitely, you know, it is a it starts with 12 to 18 hours of work. I'm not going to lie about it. So if anyone wants to go join a startup, especially when they're in their pre-seed round, which means that they are low on resources, they are low on manpower, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done, you need to be prepared to give it to yeah. your all. So I would say only if you feel passionate about the work that you are doing and only if you are happy with the people you are working with, go for it. Don't think too much, go for it. But if you're not, then, you know, then I would say take a step back and evaluate if this is the right, the right decision for you. Yeah, I like that advice. I think uh, there's an entrepreneur in everyone, isn't there? I think there's a lot of people who think, oh, you know, this sounds great. But actually, the, the stock reality, especially where they are on that funding journey, obviously, it's going to present a, a whole different set of challenges. And obviously, things have gone well. You obviously had your Series A in 2021. But for those that don't know, how would you describe Involve in terms of the product and ultimately what problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll tell you how Involve started. So our co-founders before Involve had another company that they had started and they eventually ended up selling it. Um, one thing that they realized from their journey was that it's extremely hard to know how happy or not your customers are. So when you talk to your customers and they might be smiling, you have a great relationship and, you know, you feel that, oh, they're, they're, they're pretty happy. They're very happy with your product. But just because they had a great conversation with you does not mean that they are going to continue to use your product or that they mm -hmm. continue to renew their contract with you or pay you later. And those are the signals that are very hard to find if you don't have the right data set and if you don't have the right prediction algorithms in place. So again, data, it can be, it can be vast, you know, and I think today everyone understands the vastness of data. Everyone understands how challenging it can be to, you know, to literally find the right pieces of data for you to be able to say tomorrow, that, hey, you know, I'm working with this ex-customer, they are going to stay with me or they're going to leave me. So this yep. is essentially the problem that they were trying to solve. And that's how this concept of an early warning dashboard that uses AI to predict customer churn and potential expansion opportunities came up. So the goal was to get all the data together and they actually started with like their own customers we got a set of beta customers thanks to some of our VCs. And we just tried to understand what should we use out of this data set to be able to say tomorrow that the customer will churn or not. So it was about like going through it, understanding that entire process, applying machine learning algorithms on, on top of it, which again, six years ago, people didn't understand. But yeah. And that's why I would say that we were the first to market to release it and to be able to predict John with up to 75% accuracy. Interesting. Um, yeah. And that's one part of it. 
The second part of it, and again, which makes me very proud because, you know, as we talk about always staying ahead of the market, uh, recently, or I would say back in April this year, Involve launched another product. They call it, or our CEO calls it R2D2. He's just a fan, <laughs> um, you know. The day he gets sued, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it's called R2D2. And what this further helps with is it integrates into your workflow to be able to help automate your day-to-day tasks. So for anyone who is using the Involve platform, if you you have emails coming in, you're a customer success manager, or if you're in sales, R2D2 will be able to automatically respond to your emails. So you say that this is the email, it will review the thread, it will send a response to them. That's how I respond. I communicated with you, Alex, when we started talking. Just And it's just easier. It's just faster. Yep. And the second thing is that it will also help you run a lot of research and save a lot of time on that. So something that we realized was that a lot of sales reps spend about six hours on a weekly basis just to research their prospects. Now, mm. that is the time which using R2D2, we have been able to bring down to about, let's say, minutes and not even in like few minutes per day. Just because, you know, we have the templates built out. All you have to do is say, you know, I'm Alex. I run Think Data. I'm going to talk to Hardika at Involve AI. Tell me everything that there is to know about her. Oh, wow. And we'll okay. pull all the information and give it to you. So you are not really spending your time Googling me or, you know, checking out on LinkedIn. You have that information at your disposal. So with R2D2, we've been able to very smoothly integrate uh, the information sourcing process and the automation process into our customers' day-to-day workflow. A smart, and I think obviously that then automatically links your original product with the new products because obviously if it can provide more insight on customers, it's going to make it better and easier for you to retain those. If you are spotting a potential drop-off or a churn issue, then mm-hmm. having that intelligence is automatically going to put you in a better position to try and convert that potential customer. And I, I think that's uh, yeah really interesting. And I, I mentioned at the top uh, of the show, there's obviously you've gone through funding. You're obviously one of the one of the founder members in terms of you were there, what, employee three, number five, that team is still in place. A lot of people who listen to this feel that once a company gets investment, it really is that they're made, you know, and actually they've got the VC, you know, off they go and this is it. But aside from obviously the early days when you in a room with no windows and near the toilet. What what were the kind of more operational challenges you and Involve had to kind of really overcome when you when you were kind of getting some more momentum and ultimately receiving some more investment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a myth that once you have the money, you can do anything and everything that you want because really? a lot of things change as soon as you get your funding. So number one, our Series A funding was pretty high. We got a funding of about $22 million, um, which again, in back in 2021 was a pretty big deal. Now, yeah. the first thing that you need to be very careful of is expectation setting, both internally and externally. So the moment you get funding, I think people's you know expectations change to, hey, you know, now that we have the money, we can get whatever we want within the company. We can get more people. We can get more engineers. We can get ahead of marketing. Uh, we can get these tools that we've been waiting for. So I think all of the expectations kind of 
those expectations need to be managed better because mm. just because you have the money in the bank does not mean that it can be splurged so you have to be very careful about how when and where you are spending it and i think that's where our coo was extremely efficient and she was very smart like she, until and unless you had a pretty good justification of how not getting that person or how not getting that tool would be a blocker for you you will yeah. not you know that 20 million will not be spent on it and i think that was a great decision because as you know recently as the recession came you know th- that is where you need to have that runway so you need to be prepared for the worst that's yeah. one the second thing is external expectation management so again as soon as you get your funding customers expectations change to oh okay now i can get the feature that i had been waiting for because obviously you have the money or <laughs> even investors expectations can change because there are two kinds of investors one who have the money who will invest in you but who have not been through the startup journey so what they understand is the monetary part of it but the other set of investors is who have had their startups and who have been through the journey so they 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 have a better understanding of you know because you just got your funding does not mean that things will be done overnight so mm. you have to manage the expectations of these different investors and of course you have to manage expectations of your customers too that things will not change overnight and you will still be very strategic about what features you launch on the product and how they are aligned with your company's mission at the end of the day um i said those are the two big things that you need to be careful of and the third thing is that when you get your series a funding you have to i think you have to re-strategize you have to think through priorities you have to think through okay who like you have to make sure that your icp does not change because yeah. you got that additional money in the bank you have to be true to why you started out in the first place what your core product is who is it targeted towards and you need to continue to build accordingly so i would say you know it's it's better to be very uh, frugal with the money that you have uh, rather than you know go out and outspend it and make your employees happy obviously everyone wants to make their employees happy but you also have to always set the right expectations so you know it's like a parent that you know of course you have the money and you can buy your kids whatever toys they want but do they need as many toys if they don't they don't have to get it no a lot of analogy it's certainly uh, i think it's been you raised a really good point there around when the market is dip it's companies that were sensible like you said your ceo was very very smart and shrewd with the money not getting too carried away to actually then be able to ride the slower periods uh, mm-hmm. and yes companies can spend a huge amount of money on incentives and the flashy offices and the branding and well ultimately um that can all disappear overnight if they haven't got the runway and obviously because the cash now costs more you know vcs are a lot more measured in what they're investing uh they're they're asking for more for less Uh, Uh i think yeah it's some really interesting points you raised there and obviously you came in correct me if i'm wrong was the almost like the first product manager is that right so you were being given a clear product roadmap and a lot of people we have a really big listener base here within the product space and is certainly a space we've seen gathering huge momentum recently but as that founding kind of product owner 
what steps did you take to kind of build that product capability and equally um, when you do receive those that investment what were your first hires how, how did you then say actually this is what we need first and why yeah again great question so i would say before we received the funding something that we were very sure of that we needed a designer in-house yeah. i think some of you know and again i've seen other startups do this um i don't know if it's the right thing or not i personally would say that it's always better to have a designer on board rather than trying to create those designs yourselves because what happens is that you think that again you you have this vision in mind of what you want the product to look like however if design is not your core strength or if creative if you cannot think as creatively you may end up creating more work in the longer run because if you yeah. did not think through the design in the very beginning and then you continue to add more and more to your product as your customer base increases then those designs need to be redone because again you've not thought about the long term as you were just starting out so i'd say having a designer in house is extremely important as you build out your product and we were very lucky that we got a great designer he's still with us today and he is awesome because he understands the technicalities he understands the constraints he understands you know even the bandwidth like how much time are we even going to have to build this so you can design things accordingly once we did get our funding i think a few things that we did were number one was yes we decided to invest in building our in increasing the size of the product team so getting yep. a couple more product managers in house we also got we also uh, increased our data science team the number of data science team members because again the data was extremely important for us every decision that we ever made on the product was truly guided by data uh, we used pendo we used google analytics we always and again and i would say i was sometimes guilty of that as well that you know trying to run with my intuition on hey this is what i feel would be yeah. good for the customers and this is where our chief product officer so i would step in and again she would look at the data if the data did not line with that we would not do that so i would say getting more product managers actually helped us kind of divide and conquer and structure out on how we wanted to review data how we wanted to review customer feedback which pms would actually go to customers to get that feedback another thing that we always made sure when hiring pms was that every pm would be on the initial few customer calls as well as sales demos so they could okay, be very close to the go to market teams and they could understand exactly what were the pain points what were the highs and what were the lows so those were a few things that we did um eventually we increased the number of designers on the team as well because again as the number of customers increases as you need to build more onto your product you just need to make sure that everything is been thought through really well so mm. you know so it's kind of like you are still a startup but you can't continue to think in the startup mentality you need to think about how is every small feature going to impact different ic or different customers and that's the reason why you need more people on board to think through it so i said that was the other thing that we uh, focused on and the third thing is investing on tools so especially mm. data tools so we invested in hotjar 
uh, we uh, invested in Smart Look. These are the tools which would actually help us get that uh, real-time uh, overview of how customers are using the product. And that, again, was important. Those heat maps were important for us to know exactly what were the issues or what were the difficulties that customers were facing, what were the drop-off points, so we could focus on that. I like that. I, one thing I've noticed is a lot of software-as-a-service product companies like yourselves will be so focused on the product they're delivering and actually don't focus enough on the internal technology and tools that are going to effectively drive efficiencies. They're so focused on making their product nice and shiny and marketable, but actually internally, you, you mentioned something really interesting there about that alignment with the product team and the go-to-market teams is a lot of companies you know, have a great product, but actually have no go-to-market strategy, have no real marketing focus. And actually that's mm -hmm. where ultimately you need kind of big, big bandwidth from a, from a cash standpoint to ultimately get that product to market. So it's interesting how you approach that internally. And I, I'm guessing for you then with your product team, how do you align them? Do you align them to a specific uh, a module or part of the platform or you kind of all working cross-functionally on, on, on similar projects? So we actually work more cross-functionally. The reason is that at least, so right now we believe that it's important for everyone to have an understanding of every aspect of the product. Um, they, again, when we, they can be dedicated eventually to certain, let's say, building PRDs or to reviewing certain designs of certain modules. But overall, I think every PM knows how every different module on the product, how, how, how it works. Mm. Just because everything is interconnected and until your product has completely scaled, that is when you can hire PMs who are only focused on one module or on a couple of different modules. But right now, we believe that it's important for PMs to have an understanding of how different aspects of the product work so that when we are building a certain enhancement next, they understand what the dependencies are, uh, what the duplicacies are, and also, how is it going to actually help with the existing parts of the product, or how will it will it actually help, or will it cannibalize those yeah. existing components? So, I think when your product is, you know, I would say not as scaled as having let's say a thousand customers, then until then you would need your PMs to understand the different aspects of it and not put them in silos. So that uh, I mean, otherwise they will just not understand how to build on that product further. Yeah, there's some really interesting points there. And I, uh, as someone who's obviously in the space, has been recognized for being obviously very well respected in the space um, and all the noise that I own obviously is around AI. It's around kind of how it's going to change the world, some for the good, some for the not so good. What, what do you feel is next over you know, 12, 18 months in this space? I would say a couple of things. Number one is you really need to understand how to use AI in your day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're not using certain tools, like when we built out R2D2, we, we ourselves made sure that everyone on our team was using it. And today, that's something that we can't live without. Like even if it goes down for a minute a day, 
everyone starts creating a hue and cry about it. The reason being that the dependency on so the dependency on AI can increase really quickly for people. So you need to understand how to use it and how to incorporate it so that it actually helps you save time, uh, mm. you know, over over the long term. So understanding how to use AI in your day to day, no matter which business function you are in, whether you are product manager, you whether you are in sales or customer success, um, you know, whether you are a creative writer, a designer, everyone needs to understand how to use it. So that's why, you know, I'm a big, big proponent of R2B2 because I personally use it every day to be able to, you know, run my researches and get data much faster as compared, you know, if I were to Google the same thing, it would take me way longer. So I would say staying up to date with what else is coming up on that. So, you know, I personally look at TechCrunch. I personally look at Medium. I look at what other companies are coming up. So that again, you know, as as a founding member, I also need to know how do we stay ahead of the competition. Mm. So that's what, you know, everyone needs to do as well. The second thing uh, is that I know that AI is being talked a lot about in the field of healthcare. And yep. that's something that I'm extremely excited about just because that that will touch every aspect of your life. No matter what job you have today, like healthcare is something that you will be impacted by eventually. So trying to understand, especially for people who are in healthcare right now. So, and this was something really interesting that happened. One of my friends, he is a radiologist. He recently, he recently became a, radio, a radiologist, in fact. And he was like, well, you know, there's this all this talk that AI can do this. Like AI can read the graphs, can AI can read the reports. Like, is my job really relevant right now? Or should I just, you know, stop everything and go a different route altogether? Yeah. And my response to him was that, of course, like if you want to learn more about AI and if you if that is where you want to go, sure, go for it if you want to. However, you already have the business domain expertise in radiology. You yeah. already are a subject matter expert in this. So if you really want to learn AI and what uh, kind of what uh, capabilities it has, why don't you try to combine the two? Why don't you evaluate? How can you further maybe automate report reading? How can you bring it in your institution or in within your hospital or your clinic? Uh, mm. How can you reduce the um, you know automate the tasks that you are doing using AI? So you don't have to stop being a doctor altogether, right. but you can com- combine the two. And I think that's what everyone today has to understand that within your field, even if you're a chef, how can you use AI to automate your manual tasks and to bring some more creativity into it? I think that is the next the thing of tomorrow and it will be here sooner than we predicted. Yeah, I know. I think that is, that is so insightful. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think the train has left the station, AI is here, you know, the noise, the the investment, the amount of companies that are flooding into the space, that's not going to slow down. It's how you use that tool, how you use those applications to better your current work. Yes, there's going to be displacement. We can all agree there's going to be certain parts of the working society that are going to be displaced by this, but equally they can pivot. There will be opportunities to cross train and, and really learn other things. And I think 
because of AI, I think their ability to adopt and learn those tools will be quicker uh, because they're actually going to have some of these learning techniques intrinsically trained on them anyway. I think that's, uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting and a fascinating conversation. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, you guys are obviously doing some really good things. And in terms of the advice you're given about structuring product teams, your insight about AI and, and how people can adopt that, I'm sure it's going to be really, uh, really popular listen. But thanks, Adika. I appreciate your uh, your time this morning. And thanks, uh, thanks again. Of course. Thanks, Alice. And you summarized everything really well. So, uh, no, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I hope, uh, you know, people who are listening to it they found some insight out of you know how they can use ai in their day to day um but i truly appreciate uh, you know the opportunity to let me uh, speak about it my pleasure thanks adega awesome you take care alex mm-hmm.